Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shame Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I'm here with the one and only Steve Dale today. Uh, Steve Dale is, uh, hey, how to describe Steve Dale? He does a million things. He's a, a host of, of four different radio shows. He is a, um, he is a, 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 a pet journalist. He is, he's a writer. He's got more books than anybody that I know, I think. Uh, he's just, uh, he's a, he's a fascinating, interesting person. And I had Steve in today and I said, Steve, help me understand what pet owners actually want. Uh, and he, boy, he lays down a great thesis. He talks about the rise of the fur baby and, and what that meant as a cultural shift. He's uh, talking about how that intersects with people's uh, demand to have immediate service, convenience culture. And he talks about uh, technology and how pet owners are using technology. And it's just, it's, it's he's, I don't know. I really like a lot of these ideas. I think he takes a lot of things we all see and he bundles again together into a nice little package that makes sense. And go, oh, this is, this is useful in conceptualizing the world we live in right now. So anyway, as I really enjoyed this episode. I hope you will as well. Let's get into it. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, Steve Dale. How are you, my friend? Oh, uh, man, I'm great because I'm here with Dr. Andy Rourke. How can oh, I not man. be? It is so good to have you. You you and I have been friends a long, long time. I uh, I've been, I was lamenting with you before you came on. I've not gotten to see you as much as I used to since the since the pandemic. For those who don't know you, I, it's hard to it's hard to to give you a title. You are a certified animal behavior consultant. You have uh, you are a frequent writer. I think I saw one of your columns in Today's Vet Business um, recently. You have a blog at stevedale.tv. You have are you have chapters and contributions to countless animal and veterinary books. You have four radio shows. Uh, you are just you are uh, you are like me. You are you are a man of many interests and uh, and and hobbies. And so, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for being here. I, I, I was thinking about you recently and I was, I was looking Uh-oh. at some, I know I was looking at some of your, at some of your writing and, and Steve, I, I think the, I think the, the title that I would give to you, I don't know that there's anyone else who is enmeshed in veterinary medicine that thinks about the experience and the perspective of the pet owner as much as you do. You are you are a real advocate for, for pets and, and especially for pet owners. And I think a lot of times when we start talking about the future and I like to sit and think about where all this goes, I can't help but look at it from the perspective of a veterinarian or someone who's very much a, an, an insider in veterinary medicine. And so I, I was sitting there and I was thinking about the future and I was thinking about artificial intelligence and how it interfaces with uh, with pet health and, and with pet owners and uh, and with, you know, who knows, products, technologies that pet owners are going to want to use. I was thinking about home delivery. I was thinking about, uh, you know, home delivery of products and services. I was thinking about mid-level practitioners and all of these things. And I was like, I wonder, I wonder what pet owners want in all of this. And I wonder where their mind is. And I, I, I don't know that there's a better person than you to kind of start to have those thoughts because you do so much in that space of listening to pet owners talking with pet owners, things like that. And so let, let me just kind of pause here for a second. I'd kind of like to open this up and say, Steve Dale, when you think about pet owners, the modern pet owner, what, what do they want? And how is it different than five years ago? That's a big question. So pets have been for a very long time members of the family, uh, but the uh, bond is more intense than it ever has been. Uh, the, 
I remember some number of years ago when people really began to use the term fur babies. And a lot of your colleagues, veterinarians, and I might have been in that camp too, said, whoa, come on, they're not babies. Uh, but to a whole lot of pet parents, that's exactly what they are. They are their babies. They feel that they are their babies. And incidentally, and I'm going to talk a little bit all over the place here, uh, but it comes to mind that fear-free and cat-friendly practices came along at just the right time. And, and the reason for that is because today, if the perception, which is the important word here, is that you are in some way not treating their pet emotionally appropriate, emotionally appropriately. I'm not talking about medically, you, you saying one thing, or I'm talking about the emotional well-being of that animal and or manhandling the cat. You know, it wasn't, or, or dogs, but cats in particular. So it wasn't all that long ago, and I can still go to YouTube and find videos of veterinarians today that the cat is in the carrier, they're turning the carrier upside down and going, come on, cat, get out yeah, of the carrier. Out, yeah. You know, and then they get that fishing pole out, you know, the fishing net, literally to grab a cat. Well, today's clients, great, would just walk away. They're not seeing you ever again, and they may not go to a veterinarian for a very long time as a result of that. They want their pet to feel good during the visit, and they themselves, themselves want to feel good about the visit. So that's one thing I think that has dramatically changed. And then, and that was changing, but then along came the pandemic and the profession infusing X number, and I've got the numbers if you want them, but X number of veterinarians and technicians, certified, licensed, credentialed technicians into the profession. And at the same time, losing more than we're entering the profession for a variety of different reasons that we could talk about if you like. At the same time, all that is happening, more people bringing a pet into their life. You know, during the pandemic or at the onset of the pandemic, shelters and rescues everywhere around the country and to a great extent around the world said, and I quote, help because they didn't know what, what was coming. They didn't know if their volunteers or staff could go in to feed the animals. They didn't know if anyone could be there to scoop boxes, take dogs for walks, etc. So they needed to clear the shelters like never before in history. And people stepped up. So the number of pet parents skyrocketed, noted there I said pet parents, not pet owners, but it, it skyrocketed just almost overnight. So you've got that happening, more pets today than ever before. Most households in America have at least one pet. There are more pets in America than there are children. That's what it's become in this country, and I love it. The problem is all those animals need veterinary care, and we are not accustomed to waiting for that veterinary care. And in part because people have left the uh, profession, in, in part because there are more pets, and in part because our patience as a culture has disappeared. It has nothing to do with veterinary medicine. You walk into a restaurant and the waiter doesn't come in two minutes to say, what's your order? Then you're, oh, I'm writing a bad review. We've totally, as a culture, have changed. That impacts, 
impacts all service industries. And when it comes down to it, in some ways, veterinary medicine is a service industry. Then add one more thing in, and that is pre-pandemic, veterinary medicine was not keeping up with technology. What, what physicians, for example, or dentists could do and do on a daily basis, routinely, veterinary medicine was not doing. And now, more than ever before, clients are saying, you need to do this. And I'll talk about what I mean by this if in fact you'd like me to. Yeah, well, so, uh, so there's a couple there's a couple things here, but let's go ahead and start with that. And, but then I wanna, I wanna come back to some other things you said, but so yeah, so you're talking about embracing technology. What is the type of technology that you're talking about that, that pet owners are saying, why aren't you guys on board with this? What, what, are, the, what are the pieces that they see? Because when you say technology, I'm, I immediately think practice management software. You know, and that, I don't think that's what pet owners are thinking about at all. They don't see that. They're, they're very much looking at consumer-facing uh, software that we're not, that we're not using. What, what are you saying, Steve? Are you are you basically saying that we should we should have apps? Is that kind of where your head is? Like, what do you what do you what does that mean to you when you start talking about technology that pet owners want? Most pet owners today, I'm a backup one step, are millennials, and those who aren't are uh, Gen. Uh, I'm getting my X's and Z's mixed up here. Are are uh, Gen Zers, right? Is that right? I think. Um, and what I do know is that millennials have impacted every generation more than any other generation before them. So what they do, their parents are doing. And what they do, those millennials that are old enough or do have kids, because for so many millennials, I mean, we're talking so many millennials, their children their only children, and I'm in that bucket. I don't know that I'm a millennial, but don't argue with me. <laughs> are are their uh, four legged family or feathered family members, or you know, that's their kids. Uh, but for those that have kids with two legs, they impact, of course, what they do as well. So on both ends, they are hugely impactful. And let's talk about texting, for example. That is the preferred communication for anything, having nothing to do with veterinary medicine for the moment. That is how millennials prefer to communicate. We know that through all, all sorts of surveys. Well, they taught their kids to do that, and now their kids are old enough in many cases to have pets. And their parents, who we thought, they don't do that kind of thing. But during the pandemic, there are a surprising number of 90-year-olds that actually do text. So not only the parents, in some cases, their grandparents. Uh, and to think that that's not preferred communication or whatever veterinary medicine thinks, I think sometimes it's just not thought about. But in fact, it would save veterinarians time and money to utilize, I don't know, weave or those sorts of services more often just to, okay, You've got a dog that came in for a routine prophylaxis, right? Instead of calling, you tell me what happens when you call the pet parent. You get their voicemail because they didn't recognize your number. You get their voicemail because they don't pick up the phone anyway. You get their voicemail because they're on the other phone. You get their voicemail because they're busy doing something else. Then you have to, they call you and maybe the line's busy. 
and then they forget to call you back. I mean, so much time is invested in that. Well, a text is going to go through in all likelihood. What's more, there are lots of software services that you could send a, what is it, GIF or GIF? Yeah. I forget. You know, I, I go with GIF, uh, but, uh, I'll go but with I've it. been argued with many times. But You can send an image that moves. How's that? Yeah, I like well, it. Of the pet. And pet parents love that. So now they can see their dog, quote unquote, smiling. And the text simply reads, your pet is ready. Of course, if there's an issue in that routine dental that turned out not to be so routine, oh, we yeah. needed to pull four teeth. After all, it's a 12-year-old Yorkie. Then, of course, you make that phone that's, call. That's not a, yeah, that's not a gift communication. I, I, I agree no. with that. Like, the, there's the problem is not, we don't, we don't communicate that with gifts. Uh, but no, I like Of course, it. but most of the time, there sure. isn't. If you uh, dream of doing team training with your team, getting your people together, getting them on the same page, talking about uh, how you guys work together in your practice, I'd love to help you. You can check out drandywork.com and check out the store. I have two different team training courses. These are courses for teams to do together to get on the same page and to talk about how you do, thing, uh, do things. I have my uh, angry clients course and I have my exam room toolkit course and uh, they are both available and there to come out. All right, guys, let's get back into this episode. Well, I, I, I love it. I love this goes right back to your point at the very beginning, which was the transition towards fur baby as this powerful term. You're talking about integrating that sort of that culture into the communication that we have in a significant way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not being done now. If you think about it, Andy Rourke, you don't feel well. You're going to call your doctor. Maybe you'll probably go to a portal and ask the doctor a question. And the doctor will answer very quickly, depending on your doctor, through that portal. That is the way human medicine works. Yeah. That is increasingly the way dentistry is working. You can even make appointments online. Veterinary medicine is not there yet. And is what clients want. Yeah. And the big thing clients want is to do what we're doing right now. Virtual conversations. And uh, it can be done. It comes in two buckets. Okay. One should not be controversial. There's a patient-client relationship, maybe for 20 years, I don't know, and still, it's not being done. Registered, certified, licensed technicians can mostly answer those questions. Questions like, how is the dog or cat doing following surgery? That can be a virtual follow-up conversation, which incidentally also shows how much you care Clients want to know that you care. So it's a win-win. And maybe there's something that needs to, oh my, uh, let's increase that pain medication, that analgesic or whatever. Uh, because you're doing that follow-up. For behavior, you can actually see where all those litter boxes are in their house or lack of litter yeah. boxes and have that conversation all done virtually. You cannot really, I don't think, unless you have stairs, in your exam room, see the dog or cat go up and down the stairs, and you can't see them move like they move at home anyway, of course. So for osteoarthritis, of course, I'm not saying that this is a substitute for palpation sure. or for radiographs or any of that. But for follow-up, for sure, is uh, Silencia really working? And mm -hmm. this other, I don't know, massage therapy, are you doing it correctly? Are you using the ACC loop correctly? Whatever. Yeah. 
you're able to go through all of that. These are all potentials, and I'm just touching on the surface, of what can be done and should be done, in my opinion, virtually. But I go further. I say there are services out there now, like it or not, good or bad, services out there now, veterinary professionals, technicians that are licensed, certified, registered technicians, as well as veterinarians that are talking like you and I are talking. You know, I ask you, my dog is limping. Should I worry? Here, you could see the dog doing what the dog does. I'm talking to you because I can't reach my veterinarian. And that's a big problem. The, you know, in, for a variety of different reasons, including the fact that we are, as I mentioned, more impatient as a culture than ever mm-hmm. before. We don't want to wait two weeks. Historically, veterinarians have been so responsive as a profession. People are not accustomed to waiting two weeks because they are their babies. Mm-hmm. They can't wait two weeks. It's their baby. They want to know what's happening. They need to know, need to know what's going on. And if you're not able to see me, I need to see somebody else. Yeah. And that someone else could be Dr. Google. That someone else could be the lady who lives down the hallway in an apartment building who has seven cats. Therefore, she must know about She cats. must know, yeah. That, that, that person could be anyone, a dude at the dog park. Do I really need a Lyme vaccine? I don't know. I can't reach my veterinarian. You then can work with these companies that are there anyway. They are there anyway. They are doing what they are doing on the fringe, kind of speak, sort of speak. But this is what I know pet parents want. And veterinary organized, veterinary medicine has said, no, we can't do it. I don't get that because uh, physicians can, which include pediatrician, which knocks the argument down. The argument has been, well, you're speaking for the pet. The pet can't speak for himself. Well, I don't think an infant can speak for him or herself. And the parent is speaking for that baby. This is no different than the furry babies that the parent is speaking for. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So that's, that's, that's a lot. I I love where, I love where your head's at. Just sort of thinking about where we, where we go from here. You, you had talked about, um, you had talked about wait time for care as one of the the big drivers before we got into technology you were talking about wait time and you were talking about i i think you, i feel like you're building a, a pretty robust argument here of uh again going back to the idea that pets have been elevated in the minds of pet owners and now uh we're at a place where we we had a labor shortage we, we've had more people leaving the profession and coming into it wait times are increasing and then that when we add in technology and you're saying okay well in your opinion um, these sort of the fringe outlets where people go uh, to get uh, pet health care that maybe veterinarians would not endorse or recommend. You feel like that's coming up because it's harder and harder to get into the veterinarian. Is that, I mean, just sort of closing the loop, is that a, an accurate sort of summary of, of your position? Well, I mean, people for several years have been going to Dr. Google, right? I mean, right. that's new. But given no other choice, People are going to go anywhere they can to get advice. Think about in your own life. You know, you can't get legal advice from your lawyer because your lawyer is spending all your money on a trip to Bermuda. So instead, you reach out to someone else who you know is the lawyer. You ask that question, even though the question you have is about copyright and your lawyer is a copyright lawyer. And the lawyer you're asking is a ambulance chasing lawyer. There are none of those, of course. It's a different kind of lawyer. 
you know you're not getting the best advice, but you're getting something. Yeah, no, that, that is what sense. parents want. I, that makes sense to me. I, I do, I do buy that. I'll give you the best example I can give. I think is is in is in your own personal health, or at least for me. Um, you know, at at some point, there's this gray zone between when I feel bad, when my stomach starts to hurt, and it doesn't go away for a day, um, and and when I pull the trigger and go get in to see my doctor, where I'm, I'm on Google. And, uh, and other, I'm not the only one. I am definitely not the one now who's like, my knee hurts. What stretches can I do for my knee? What what YouTube physical therapy uh, exercises can I find? I, I said, I, I don't want to live in a glass house and cast stones. And so people, I do agree that that's kind of where a lot of people go. When you, when you start to think about access to care, Steve, and getting people in, and, and, and sort of meeting this need and saying, because I'm 100% on board with you. I think people's patience is getting shorter and shorter and shorter and convenience really is king. And people, when they decide they want something, they want it yesterday. And they've got YouTube or uh, Amazon flying things in with drones to drop them on their doorstep. And like, that's well, the world that we're living in. Um, access to care, if I may jump in there, means yeah, sure. a couple of other things as well. Uh, it's not only everything you just said and I already spoke about, which is true, but we would also open up opportunities where there aren't currently. For example, there are communities all over, including the city I live in in Chicago, that have veterinary deserts for miles in certain neighborhoods in our city that I live in, but cities all over, urban areas all over the country. There aren't veterinarians practicing. So having the opportunity to speak like we're speaking now online to do virtual care would, would provide some comfort and some level of credible care for those folks. There are people all over America that live 80 miles away from a veterinarian. That's a small animal veterinarian, per se, that might live in, you know, middle of Iowa, but not near an urban center in Iowa and therefore not near a veterinarian. So this technology, which isn't all that technical really yeah. anymore, uh, it will help other people as well. Okay, so here's what I want to do, because uh, I'm, I'm on board with this. I want to hand you the cone of shame magic wand that I have uh, here on the podcast. And I want to give it to you and I'll say, Steve, now, using this magic wand, meaning uh, meaning you could craft this in, in the way that you like, right? Like like you can you can say optimistically, this is what I would like to have happen. Can you can you use it and then tell me what medicine looks like, that medicine looks like in five years? And just say, if if I have my magic wand, if I could build this system the way that I want it to be, um, given given everything that we've laid down so far in this conversation, Steve, help help me see that vision in your mind. What what can this look like? You know, it's been said that millennials, which are driving veterinary care and services around America of all kinds, because so many. I mean, we're talking. That's where the numbers are at, right? That's where, therefore, the money is at. So, and as I said, veterinary medicine is a service industry when it comes down to it. So. Uh, what I would do is do what the millennials want, not only because they want it, because it's the right thing to do, and it should be done. It's not a difficult thing to do. That includes, so one more thing, millennials, it's been said, aren't going to be loyal. That actually is not true. If you can show them that you can respond the way they want them, the way they want responses to them. And we're talking about changes in communication patterns. So if we can provide virtual care in any way by 
credible individuals, veterinary professionals, any way whatsoever, whether they have a relationship or not with that veterinarian, that's one thing. And then the second thing is to use technology, like texting. I'm not even sure that I would call tech that technology anymore. Yeah. U- using portals, which as I say, other medical professions have been using for a while, even predating the pandemic. Using what is available to communicate the way in which pet parents want to be communicated. And at the same time, you are relieving yourself. You are making life easier as a veterinary professional for yourself. You are pleasing technicians because you are giving them work to do that they are qualified to do, and they're doing it. You're not doing it. That's better for the practice. No, I, I, I love that, buddy. I think that is such a, I think that's such a beautiful vision. I, I really, I like where your head's at. I like, I like how you're thinking. What are the biggest pitfalls that you see for vet medicine going forward? Where do you think our profession or individual practices, what are the mistakes that they are, uh, that they're likely to make or that would be disastrous in your mind, given the vision you just laid out? I'd like to think that's not going to happen. Yeah. The mistake would be to, not pay attention to anything that I am talking about. So the good, <laughs> not because I'm talking no, about. A, I agree. The biggest mistake people make on the regular is not listening to me. I'll tell you that. Like that's, I can't tell you how many people. My wife makes that mistake all day, every day, and it's. Uh, I, it's no, sad. I would not say that about my wife because <laughs> we're we're going to be married thirty years, and I want to keep it that way. I think that I know that the profession has grand plans for doing all sorts of things, like creating a new position uh, that would be this mid-level position, uh, which would be like a, uh, in human medicine, it would be a, uh, help me. A nurse practitioner? nurse practitioner, yes, yeah, nurse practitioner uh, in veterinary medicine. Whether that's good or bad, it's not happening tomorrow. I have a view about that not being so good, Uh, but let's let's worry about that later. it's not going to happen now anyway. It can't. It can't happen that fast. To add more veterinary schools, to add larger classes to veterinary schools, that is actually beginning to happen. Uh, to go into primary schools and encourage people in all neighborhoods in America to go into veterinary medicine or teaching humane education. I mean, on la la, all these plans that are wonderful that aren't going to change or be of any rescue to the profession today, to pet parents or to professionals. And what I'm talking about, veterinary professionals could do today, literally. No, I, I think that's I think that's great. I love that. So so sort of summarize the point. Um, the big the biggest pitfall is not getting serious about the service that we're providing right now that pet owners are are demanding. Yeah. I think that's I think that that's um I think that's a great I think that's a great point. I think that's a that's a great a great word of warning. Steve Dale, you uh you are amazing. I love your energy. I love getting to talk to you. I love hearing your ideas and how you look at the profession. Where uh where can people find you? It's it's not hard. You're everywhere. What are what are your favorite platforms and places for for people to connect with you? My favorite is my own website. So, I write a blog post pretty much every day, stevedale.tv. stevedale.tv. Uh, and you can find me in social media, wherever your social media is. And I've not been on TikTok until recently. We uh, had we we now have a kitten, 
uh, who's no longer a kitten, he's a year old. And I thought, okay, Groucho, that's the kitten, ought to have a TikTok page. So you can find Groucho underscore the funny cat on TikTok. Groucho the funny cat on TikTok. Underscore the funny cat, right? Thanks so much for being here. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Take care of yourselves, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And that is our show, guys. That's what I got. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got out out of it. Thanks to Steve for for being here. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, share it with your friends and or leave me an honest review wherever you get your podcast. That's that's the nicest things you can do. Anyway, gang, take care of yourselves. Be well. Enjoy practice. I'll talk to you later. Bye.